The director of Home Guard Associates, Rick Wareham, provides safety security services and products for individuals and groups. He is an NRA certified firearms instructor, a certified range safety officer, a certified instructor for Refuse to Be a Victim program, a regional recruiter for the NRA. He is a certified instructor for Security Equipment Corporation USA, a leading provider of less than lethal hardware products. Publisher, author of numerous newspaper and magazine articles involving safety and security issues. You can reach Rick on his website at homeguardsecurityassociates.com or call him 352-503-6931. That's 352-503-6831. Hey, this is Cousin Vinny here on the Cousin Vinny Network here at the Citrus Executive Hub here in the Crystal River Mall. And today we have a special guest here with us. Yeah, uh, this is uh, Rick Wareheim. I'm the director of Home Guard, and we're going to welcome back all of our uh, subscribers. And today we do have a very special guest. Uh, we have uh, Sheriff Mike Prendergast uh, from Citrus County. And uh, as uh, you folks are aware, our last two uh, episodes have concerned themselves with uh, automobile safety. Uh, the Mainly the first one insofar as the equipment and your automobile and things you can do to make your car safer. And the second one really focused on you as a driver. Uh, what you can do due to your habits, your attitudes, your strategies to make your driving safe as well. And as a third and crowning uh, touch to uh, these podcasts, uh, we were fortunate enough to have the sheriff come in today. Uh, because when you think about it... Um, if we're going to talk about situations or trouble or whatever when you're driving, uh, it's probably going to involve the police uh, somewhere along the line. If everything is going well and uh, you're doing everything safely and securely like you're supposed to be, interaction with the police, uh, not you know probably not so much. But if something were to go wrong, and we're going to touch on a number of these things that possibly could go wrong. And just about every one of them uh, will involve the police department. And uh, so I thought it was uh, really uh, important, and I'm very happy to have the sheriff here uh, to, uh, uh, to, talk about, to talk about these issues. Um, before we get to the sheriff, I know I wanted to give uh, you folks just a brief, uh, just a little brief bio. I know most of uh, our listeners are local uh, but uh, there are a number of people that, uh, that are, are uh, in our county. And uh, so I wanted to just highlight a couple things, if you don't mind, Sheriff. Uh, and uh, the first thing I want to mention is uh, your re-election. Yeah. And uh, congratulations on that. It certainly was a decisive victory. Uh, the last time I saw, we were about 75% approval, which uh, in today's world is pretty darn good. It's a, it's a really good number, and I, I was really happy with that. You know, this year started out as uh, a, a, a typical year that you would uh, leading up to a general election and preceded by a primary about uh, 10 or 11 weeks before the general election in November. Mm -hmm. But shortly after we really started the beginning of this year, which is election year for the president all the way down to state and local offices, uh, the pandemic hit us. And the traditional things that you would do for an election campaign came to a screeching halt and for a lot of good reasons too because you know our county is one of the oldest counties in america per capita as you look around this community here we're according to some research from the pew research institute we're about the fourth oldest county in america really? when it comes to per capita uh, 
numbers and oh. the villages oh. right to our east over there in Sumter County, that is the oldest county per capita in the United States of America. So, you know, you can't you can't go out and go door to door and shake hands and have a lot of large uh, outdoor gatherings or right. indoor gatherings with the, the folks who are going to be supporters right. and those folks uh, who are going to show up and hear you talk about the things that you have done, especially me being the incumbent. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the things that you want to do in the next uh, four years during your second term or your third term, depending on which office you're in and how, and how you go about it. So, you know, out of an abundance of caution and also out of respect, really, for the citizens that elected me back in 2016, we we, we never imagined that it, the pandemic issues sure. would go on for the, the length of time that they have, much less seeing the, the incidence rate across our community, much less around the state. But we said, hey, the safety of our citizens is far more important. So in Instead of doing the retail stuff that we'd normally do, which I, I knocked on doors and shook about 4,000 hands when I was campaigning back in 2016 by myself, Correct. and there were a lot of other supporters out there doing it, uh, we re- returned to some of those other proven methods out there, and we used direct mail, and we also used uh, the word of mouth through a lot of the supporters that we had, and then we put a lot of newspaper ads out there and we used uh, other mediums as well. We used uh, the radio stations that have been a huge and critical and important uh, aspect of reaching uh, constituents. And then lastly, we even did a little bit of television too, right towards the end of the campaign, just to make sure we had the right type of turnout and we were reaching those demographics that were out there. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, In 2016, you came to my house and, and when you were running, not for any other reason other than campaigning, and uh, my wife, uh, my wife answered the door, and to, you know, to this very day, uh, you know, always talked about it. You know, and she became a big fan, a big fan that day, and she, re- you know, she remembered it. It's important. I remember important that it was. Stuff. I think it was a Saturday when we were out there. My, my wife was driving me around the community, and her says, "Okay, jump yeah. out of that house," and I went up there, and, yeah. and I remember you guys. You just, you yeah. just, you just got back from uh, doing some PT and everything. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was. It's effective for sure, but it's it's hard work, and it, it is. But obviously, when you know in the, the times we're living in now, that was that was impossible to do. But I think as a citizen, you're always impressed when someone, you know, goes out there and shakes your hand and looks you in the eye, and you have a question or whatever. You know, it's a. It's a lot more meaningful than you know putting up a putting up a billboard. You know? uh, it, it, no, it absolutely is, and that's and that's you know, I've been in law enforcement for a long time when I decided to run back in 2016. But to connect with the community and understand what the citizens across the community who are going to make a decision in the voting booth are concerned about, you have to ask them questions. And the number one thing that was on the mind of our citizens when I ran back in 2016 was doing something about the drug problem. Uh Right on the heels of the drug problem as a number one issue, number two was traffic. Mm -hmm. And the citizens were concerned about the traffic issues we're having in the community. And that was before us 19 corridor became the big issue that it still is today four years later because the construction projects yeah. continue to go on over there yeah. and that's certainly before the sun coast started pushing its way north from hernando county into the heart of our county right so you know with the issues of drugs and the issues of traffic and then there were some things about uh, cleaning up some of the inner workings of the office of the sheriff back on uh, january 3rd 2017 when i got sworn in that's when we rolled up our sleeves and immersed our hands into the stuff and mm-hmm. got busy with uh, taking care of the things that the citizens entrusted to me right. as their sheriff to go out and get after right you know as uh, along those same lines too as a, a regional nra recruiter as you probably know and uh, i've uh, seen you in action more than a few times at the festivals 
and stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to be impressed by that. And I, I'm not saying that's just about you. I, honestly, it's, you know, that's not, that's, you're taking your time and God knows you're busy all the time. And now you've got the weekend and, and all that and maybe have a little time off. And, what, what weekend? You know, yeah, well, <laughs> theoretically. Well, when Friday gets there, it's all, only yeah. two more work days till Monday. <laughs> but, but, you know, you press the flesh a lot and uh, it's meaningful. And I think it helps explain why you got uh, 75% of the vote. You know, so again, well, you know, and, and when you care about the community, though, you want to be invested in every nook and cranny of the community so that people understand. And when people when people come up to me with issues, yeah, I give them my cell phone number. Right. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to solve the problem right there on the spot. Right. When somebody gives me a problem, but I'm going to go to work on it and I'm going to right. get into the hands of my detectives or my patrol deputies. Right. And we're going to run that problem down and get it solved. Just like last night, I happened to be over at a, one of our new gun stores here in town and I was picking up a uh, 20 gauge shotgun from Mallard's and uh, you know, the, the, just in there talking and finishing up my paperwork to purchase that firearm. Yeah. And a lady came up and talked to me about somebody that was harassing her and uh, sending threatening uh, messages, threatening her life uh, by way of text message. And so I took that information and passed it on to our detectives and our detectives are pursuing that case today. There you go. Yeah. Important. Okay. Very good. Uh, let me just yeah, a few more highlights of your uh, of your uh, career. Uh, you uh, were in the military, uh, the Army, uh, for 31 years. Uh, retired and uh, retired as a full bird colonel. Yeah, I enlisted back in 1978 as a private, private E1, uh -huh. and wanted to become a military policeman and wanted to become a U.S. paratrooper, and went to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, for my first assignment after the military police school and airborne school. Loved it to death. Just the best thing for you if you're a young man or a young woman and you Absolutely. want to learn about the military and you want to learn about why it's important that we serve this great country of ours and how fragile the things that we enjoy as Americans truly are. You go to a place like that and the, the, the common phrase was, you know, that uh, we were high speed and low drag. Mm. And there was a reason for that because you were at the tip of the spear for the national security of the United States of America. And mm. that can't be lost on our citizens across the community because if it ever does get lost, we lose the ability to be the nation that projects its power and protects its citizens uh, to the far corners of the globe. Right. Okay. So, uh, insofar as your, your education goes, you have uh, three bachelor's degrees, three master's degrees. Yeah, I was a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, the, the undergraduate degrees uh, were in uniquely different fields. Uh, when I was a pretty senior captain, the Army came to me and said, hey, you've done a great job in this assignment, and we'd like you to consider applying for this program called the Foreign Area Officer Program. Uh -huh. And basically, it's a program that uh, trains officers in the Army to become soldier statesmen to help out the nation in the far corners of the globe. And and what they do is they actually make you a regional expert on a region of the world, Asia, Europe, Africa, uh, the Middle East, Russia as an entity all by itself, China as an entity all by itself, and uh, Southeast Asia as an entity all by itself. And I volunteered for... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, I, I was stationed in last words. <laughs> I, I, I was stationed in Honolulu, Hawaii, at, at Fort Chapter, and I'd been there for almost three years when I was putting my application together for this program. And I volunteered for Southeast Asia because I'd been working with a lot of Southeast Asian mm -hmm. nations, their military and their military police. 
And I thought, you know, I'd be a shoo-in for that because I could speak a little bit of the language already. And, okay. you know, they, they'd send me to go get a graduate degree and then send me to language training and then send me back to a place like, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Tahiti. No. So that was, that was my first choice. My second choice was uh, Latin America because I was from Florida and I couldn't speak Spanish. And I thought, you know, it'd be a great thing to maybe learn Spanish sure. and be able to have that whenever I transition out of the military and hung up my, my boots for the last time. And my third choice was uh, Western Europe because I, I was coming up on 10 years on active duty and I hadn't been to Western Europe yet. Uh-huh. I was, you know, I'd been in the States and been deployed over to uh, Hawaii for three years. Yeah. And I got a letter back and it was, uh, you know, the, the dear Captain right. Prendergast letter <laughs> says, congratulations, you've been selected for the program and your graduate training will start in the summer of 1989. You can pick any one of these list of schools here to go to. And your region of study will be sub-Saharan Africa. Uh-huh. And I pulled out the paperwork for my application and looked at it and said, mm, there's a mistake because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't volunteer for that. I didn't sign up for that. I, yeah. you know, first, second and third choice. And that wasn't even a fourth or fifth choice. <laughs> and I called up my assignments guy and I said, hey, man, something's wrong here. And he says, Captain. The needs of the army always overwhelm the needs of the individual oh, soldier. Right. Have a nice day. And he hung up on oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> end of conversation. Yeah, end of conversation. Yeah. And I went off to the University of Florida and, and did a master's program there at UF and minored in uh, African history and minor, minored in Middle Eastern uh, studies as well. And it was probably one of the best things that happened to me. Just an amazing opportunity for me. Yeah. And I did two assignments in Africa before I got promoted to major and then um, along the way, kept going back and forth, uh, trying to figure out what else I was going to do over the course of my career. And I earned a master's degree in public administration from Troy University. And then years later, when I was about to get promoted to full colonel after my battalion command in Korea, the uh, Army sent me to the Army War College, and I got a master's in strategic studies while I was there at the Army War College, right right after ni- the year after 9-11, mm-hmm. and did that for a year, and then spent two years over roaming around between Iraq and Afghanistan. Is that all? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty busy time. I spent about five years out of my last eight years on active duty roaming around between yeah. uh, one of the stands or Saudi Arabia or Kuwait and Djibouti and uh, Qatar and, you know, just yeah. uh, li- living out of a, a rucksack and a duffel bag. That's impressive. So, um, the and then as far as in the military, then uh, I uh, noted here that you served as a uh, provost marshal uh, four different four different times. It yeah. obviously directly relates to what you. Well, it sure about. does. And actually, I commanded five different military police units over the course of my career. I commanded um, as a captain, uh, as um, a major, um, actually twice as a lieutenant colonel, and then once as a colonel. Different sized organizations as I was going up to the ranks. And then also I was a provo marshal, which a provo marshal is a position very similar to Kind of, kind of, if you kludge together a chief of police and a sheriff in, a, in an area and you do all of those things, sort of, well, kind of like what we have here in our own community, you know, Inverness and Crystal River, they contract with the office of the sheriff to provide the law enforcement support. Yeah, yeah. So as a provost marshal, I did that at U.S. Central Command. Uh, that was my terminal assignment before I retired. 
And so I was responsible for 25 countries and I had a couple billion dollar budget as the Provost Marshal for U.S. Central Command when we were uh, running all the force protection and law enforcement operations over in the oh, Middle East. Big job. B- yeah, huge yeah. job. Yeah. Huge job. And had to have the privilege of working for uh, General Marty Dempsey, who went on to become the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. And a little bit of time I spent with uh, Dave Petraeus before I actually retired. Okay. All right, Lynn, last but not least, before we get into our subject at hand, I did want to uh, touch on... Uh, before you became sheriff, uh, your most recent uh, uh, service, and that was to uh, Governor uh, Rick Scott, and uh, you were his uh, chief of staff, and then uh, also served as a executive director for Veterans Affairs. And especially given the amount of veterans we have in our area here, uh, I'm sure we all owe a great uh, debt of gratitude uh, to you for that, that service as well. So, uh, Well, you know, when... I- when I retired from active duty in 2009, I got involved in uh, politics down in the Tampa area and ran unsuccessfully for office down there. But um, I was the new guy on the block. And along the way, I actually got the everything that I was doing was the same people that were interested in what Rick Scott had to say, the same people that were interested in what Pam Bondi, mm-hmm. who got elected attorney general, um, and uh, Adam Putnam, who was our commissioner of agriculture, and Jeff Atwater who happened to be our chief financial officer for the state for, um, well, I think Jeff left about uh, six years into his time as a CFO. But um, uh, Pam, Rick, and Adam served two consecutive four-year terms as our, our chief executives right. in the cabinet up there. So it was, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to meet a lot of folks. And along the way, um, I got a phone call a few days after the election from Governor-elect Rick Scott, and he reached out to me and asked me what I was planning on doing. And I'd pretty much been looking at going overseas and taking an overseas job working for a contractor. And, mm-hmm. and I said, well, how, how can I help you? And he, and I, we spent a lot of time talking and kind of closed the loop on a few things. And since we were so like-minded on a lot of areas, uh, he asked me to come in and transition his uh, governor's office and get it off the ground yeah. and told me that, you know, once we got that stuff kind of locked in and rocking and rolling, that uh, there'd be some other opportunities for an agency head position okay. uh, somewhere in state government. And so as a law enforcement guy, you know, at my, my heart's in law enforcement and being, being in uh, emergency operations. So there are a couple of three different scenarios out there. And I, I wasn't really considering at the time, but a good friend of mine had died accidentally. And uh, he was doing his PT one morning, got ran over by somebody that ran a stop sign down in Tampa. He was the executive director of the Florida department of veterans affairs. It was Admiral Leroy Collins. who was the son of former governor uh, Collins, uh, who was uh, up there in the 1950s as the governor of the state of Florida. So, um, I guess it was about seven months into Rick's administration is when we transitioned out from me being the chief of staff to actually go run the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs. And you, you probably know this, but we've got an enormous population of veterans in the state. Mm-hmm. We have the third largest population of veterans in America right here in the state of Florida, and we've got about a million and a half uh, veterans that range from con- the contemporary wars all the way up to World War II veterans. In yeah. fact, I think we've got about 30,000 World War II veterans still alive in the state of Florida no today. Wow. Yeah. That's and amazing. so, and, and, and every time you meet a couple of veterans on the street in the state of Florida, one out of every two that you encounter on our streets is a combat veteran who served in a, in a war zone, yeah. either in, in the air, on land, or at sea. So uh, we've got a pretty unique and special population of veterans yeah. in Florida. And, and Citrus County itself has got a very large population of veterans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's quite a background, and I guess it, it kind of begs the question, how did you end up here? 
So back, well, when, when my wife and I were dating in high school, we used to come up to Citra County quite a bit because I had history here as a kid growing up. My family had a, a we called it a cracker fish camp on the Withlacoochee River. Really? And okay. we used to fish for bass and brim and bluegill and catfish right up there on, right where 200 crosses the Withlacoochee going sure. into Marion yeah. County. Yeah. Uh, we were just down the road from there and I spent a lot of time on the Withlacoochee River. And not only did I catch my first fish up here, I got my first deer up here. Uh, my first time I went quail hunting was up here in Citrus County and hog hunting was up here in Citrus County. And then uh, years later, um, my uh, wife and I got our open water scuba diver certification right over here in Kings Bay. Okay. So we got, had a lot of history there. Right. And then you fast forward after my career and we were rocking and rolling. We had a house down in Tampa. We'd been there for several years, and we found out purely by accident that our house in Tampa was made with toxic Chinese drywall. And that plagued a lot of homeowners across the state during the building boom back in the mid-2000s. And uh, we were one of the unfortunate families that was a victim to the Chinese drywall debacle. And we found out in 2012, we joined the lawsuit right away, and a year and a half later, we started showing symptoms of chronic exposure to the the fumes that the really? Chinese drywall emits. Yeah. So the doctor said, hey, you guys need to think about moving pretty quickly because yeah. the house will kill you before yeah. you win Get the Get out loss. of town. So, yeah. you know, I, we looked in Hillsboro, we looked in Pinellas, we looked in Pasco, we looked in Hernando, and I drew a red line north. I said, if you're going to go north of the Withlacoochee River, we're going to live in Tallahassee because I could have lived and worked in Tallahassee or I could have lived and worked in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. And so the, the, um, basically when we, when we drew the line, we, we looked more intensely in Citrus County okay. uh, back in 2013 and we found a beautiful house there that we just, I, I pulled up in front and said, that's the house. Oh, that's great. So, and, so you and, came back home. Yeah. Kind of, sort of, yeah, yeah kind of, uh-huh. sort of, you know, and, yeah. and, and in the military, you, you really don't sink roots down until you hang right. up your spurs and right. put everything away for the last time. And so it just, it was a, it was a great opportunity. And right. when I found out back in 2016 that the sheriff was getting ready to retire, I thought, Hey, now I bring all this stuff to to the table, and if you really care about stuff and you don't run for office, then you shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I decided to throw my hat in the ring and go out there and uh, run run my run my way through the the political spectrum out there to see if I could get elected back in 2016. Well, it certainly uh, it certainly served us well, uh, in my opinion, that uh, that you came back, and we should be well. Just suffice it to say, we know at least 75 percent of the people are are very happy that this all that it all worked out, and uh, uh, I I did want to, you know, I know we brought you here to talk about safety and security, but this is. It's very interesting, and I think it's appropriate that people know the quality yeah. the quality of uh, of the uh, person leading our sheriff's department. It's it's important every day in people's everyday lives, and especially when the poop hits the fan, it's important for them to know that we have really really qualified people and qualified leadership. In regard to that, uh, as uh, I, I think you're aware of, is. Uh, uh, just about all of our subscribers uh, to the podcast, we have over a thousand subscribers, and they're all uh, NRA. Just about all of them are NRA members, and uh, that's how they, uh, you know, came to me as a uh, as a recruiter. And then we uh, started the podcast and the newsletters and that type of thing. But uh, I wanted to make this point because I I think a lot of people are unaware of this. Uh, number one. Uh, you, as a uh, candidate, uh, received an A plus rating uh, from the uh, from the NRA, 
And, second time. Yeah. And, <laughs> second time. And it, I'll tell you, it doesn't, It you know, there's plenty of candidates that don't get A-plus ratings, you know. Uh, so it, it's a very meaningful thing, and it's something I can tell you the NRA takes very seriously. Uh, and the point that I want to make here to our listeners is that a lot of people are under the assumption that that means you're an A-plus supporter of the NRA. And it's, it's not necessarily true. I hope it's true. <laughs> but the rating itself is based is based upon facts and stats and how you're supporting uh, the, uh, the Second Amendment. Uh, and that's what your rating is based upon. It has nothing to do with any any official connection with the NRA or contributions to the NRA or activities with the NRA. It's nothing to do with it at all. They're going to look at, at your record or any candidate's record and see what they've done or haven't done uh, uh, insofar as the Second Amendment goes. And uh, I, I think it's uh, it's an important point to make. A lot of people, I think, assume, well, you know, they're not talking about you. Oh, this guy's in the NRA. You know, there's some kind of, you know, connection there of some sort, some kind of political things going on, whatever. No, it's because of, of their demonstrated support for uh, for the Second Amendment. So <clears throat> I just wanted to, th- to throw that out. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't hurt that I'm a life member of the NRA, but when you fill out that stuff and you send it up to Tallahassee, that that, that doesn't carry the water for you. It's your record and how you, how you respond to those things that occur in, in, in the space that you operate in. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations on the A, on the A plus rating. More congratulations though to you for uh, for again getting reelected. And all joking aside, uh, you know to get that type of support, uh, I think is a uh, is a commendable a commendable thing and says a lot about the job that uh, the job that you're doing. Uh, from the NRA's point of view, we were very very happy to see a new sheriff in town. So okay. Uh, let's start to talk, let's start to talk about what we actually brought here uh, brought you here for initially, and that was to uh, talk about automobile safety and security. I know one of the first things that you did as sheriff was to create a, a dedicated traffic unit, uh, which we didn't have before. And uh, could you just tell us a little bit about why you did that and what it's all about? Yeah, you know, Rick, going back to the the earlier comments when we were at the introduction here, I listened to the voters. And I also looked at the data that was out there. And as we got serious about it in 2017, I said, we're going we're gonna to have to figure this out. And we pulled deputies from other uh, aspects of the agency and the, the missions that we had going on. And we created a, a dedicated traffic unit that's out there during the peak times throughout the, the, the week, uh, day and night. And then we have concentrated efforts that we do as well based on the analytics that we've done from the the past history of our crash data and uh, other data that we are able to gather. And we determined that, you know, there were some things that we could do to really increase and enhance safety. We started that uh, traffic unit in 2017. In the fall of uh, 2017, we started a program called Just Drive Citrus. And in the one year after we started Just Drive Citrus, we reduced traffic accidents on the U.S. 19 corridor by 52%. Wow. 52%. And that's as the construction's going on out there. you got a lot of distracted drivers. And you and I both know, as we sit here, a lot of people still play with these electronic devices when they're driving. And they shouldn't. They, they, should, they should put that feature on their phone that's got the Do Not Disturb app there. And when you know if, if you can't take a call through Bluetooth, then don't take the call. Yeah. Don't take the call because it contributes overwhelmingly to very serious and sometimes fatal traffic accidents. 
we don't know yet what just happened recently. Um, it was not, I think it was like right at a week ago. Not No, not quite a week ago where a young lady pulled out on the highway and uh, she got broadsided by a vehicle that was traveling legally going down the road at the right speed, at the right, right, you know, just right in the proper lane and everything. And uh, the woman ultimately succumbed to her very serious injuries uh, as a consequence of that. She could have been on her phone. We don't know yet. The, the traffic uh, accident investigators have got a lot of work to do. But those type of things like that were the things that I wanted our traffic unit to get out there and get after. So you, we, we kept you know, looking at things and going after the data and crunching the data and looking through some other lenses. And in the 2019 year, we went after fatal traffic accidents. And we reduced fatal traffic accidents by 40% in 2019. This year has been a unique set of challenges for a variety of reasons. Of course, you've got the pandemic. You've got a lot of people unemployed. You have a lot of kids that were out of school that would normally be in school. So all of those things, when we get through the 2020 calendar year's data, we're going to have to go back and really look at that and pull out those things that will tell us something about why the pandemic created some unique situations and very important challenges to us to get out there and protect the citizens of our community and protect all those uh, tourists that come through our community on a daily basis. Even though tourism was greatly curtailed because of the pandemic, we still had a lot of people coming in from other places other than Citrus County. I understand. Yeah. So we, we have some, uh, you know, some unique uh, aspects, uh, I think, in, in our neck of the woods here and so far as traffic is, is, is concerned. And the two things that always uh, that always uh, uh, struck me is the one is the, the demographics in our area. And they are varied. You know, we have an awful lot of people that are older people. And I'm going to generalize here, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, these people tend to be more conservative drivers, uh, even to the to the point of, you know, if I'm going 10 miles under the speed limit, that's a real good thing, you know. Or, uh, you know, I'm in the left-hand lane, and no, I'm not going to get over to the right-hand lane because now I have to do stuff, you know. And conversely, we have our fair share of young guys here, too, young and girls. And, uh, you know, they got NASCAR fantasies and, you know, every once in a while you see them on 19 and, uh, you know, they're going going very fast. <laughs> At the same time, they're out there with, you know, the 85-year-old grandma who's, yeah. you know. And it's it's quite a mix. Mi- my point is, obvious, I guess, it's quite a mix. And that type of mix, uh, and and given the, 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 my second point is the limited amount of options that we have to get from point A to point B concentrates a lot of these Mixed demographics in a very confined area, which can cause uh, can cause problems. Uh, you know, we see it almost every day. You know, where people are getting upset because the person's hanging in the left lane, or they're way under the speed limit, and people are trying to maneuver to get around them, and it causes you know it causes some problems. Well, and one of the things that we always give folks advice on too, and it's and we'll be posting uh, quite a few holiday messages for the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's holidays here. Allow more time. Yeah. Plan. Plan to allow for more time because there's always something going on, whether it's a construction delay or an accident that's already occurred. Or think about just a few short weeks ago, we just in the last two weeks, we had somebody turned into somebody else. They were blinded by the sunrise. Mm. It was right at eye level and they could not see the car directly in front of them yeah. and they turned right into them yeah. and, ne- and, and, and nearly killed somebody and certainly did uh, you know extensive damage. I believe the vehicle was actually totaled. 
the the other vehicle that pulled out was a big pickup truck so it didn't damage it too bad but it was a brand new pickup truck and so they got to send it off to the body shop to go out and get it repaired and you know it's you have to plan for that and it came right after we we switched uh from uh daylight savings time back to eastern uh standard time yeah and so when we did that that's that first few days are very very tough on folks as they're trying to to get out there and navigate on our roads and obviously too the uh, construction on 19 has to be you know it's it's a nightmare for us as citizens but it it can't be uh, good for you guys no it it does it does it does especially when the lane shifts occur right and you move the cones and you move the barriers and you know i was just down on uh, going south on 19 down my home house the other day and there's jersey barriers up there and it was like wow those weren't there yesterday yeah. <laughs> and i'm going down it's like holy mackerel yeah so yeah it is it's dangerous and that's why you, you really have to allow a lot more time and be patient and everybody it's not you know it's just not the, it's not the senior citizens it's it's the, the younger folks that get behind wheel yeah. and the folks that they've got appointments they've got whatever leave early allow a lot of extra time if you get there early, so what? Then you can get on your phone and do whatever you got to do or return some phone calls or go on and get your appointment knocked out, and then you might be able to move on early to your next thing on your list. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get into some meat and potatoes here, uh, if, if, if uh, you don't mind. And uh, the one thing I was interested in covering with you in particular, it's a ter- terrific opportunity, I think, for, for us to hear about this, and that's uh, from a police officer's uh, point of view, or traffic stops. Uh, you know, as, as, as uh, not that it's ever happened to me, but if, you know, when, when you are, you know, when you are pulled over for, uh, for uh, some reason or another, a very, you know, a very scary uh, situation for, uh, for, for, for people uh, most of the time. It's, it's up, when it, if that's scary, it's upsetting. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, anxiety goes through the roof and all that stuff. So, uh, from the police officer's point of view, can you give us just like an overview, uh, okay, of the do's and don'ts involved in a traffic stop? So I will I will go back to what I learned when I was a young driver, and I went through driver's education here in Florida, and it was re- required before you could actually go and take the driver's license test. And the number one thing you have to do is pull over to the right side of the road as safely and as quickly as possible, don't speed, you know, don't jeopardize your safety. Don't jeopardize the officer's safety. Don't stop out in the middle of the road. And when I, I, I myself in an, in an unmarked vehicle from time to time, I'll have people that will stop in, you know, in the middle of the road and I'll get on my public address system and say, no, please pull into that parking lot up there and get safely off of the roadway so that we are both safe. Right. And, you know, that's that's absolutely paramount. And, it, and it, it could be a traffic infraction. It could be that we're trying to track somebody down to notify them some, about something important for their family. Mm-hmm. It could be that we've got a lost citizen. We have uh, 10,000 people in our community who have the uh, potential of wandering off and getting disoriented. Mm-hmm. A good 5,000 of those people have keys and they get behind the wheel. And we might be looking for somebody like that as well. So there's a variety of things that, you know, will lead to that. Yeah. So if you find a, if you find yourself uh, behind a patrol car uh, or in front of a patrol car, I should say, uh, and the lights do come on and um, you pull over, pull over in a very good place that's safe for you, law, plenty of room for the other vehicle from the, the deputy's uh, vehicle. And it's going to be us. It's going to be a green and white patrol car from the sheriff's office or an unmarked patrol car from the sheriff's office, yeah. or it's going to be one of the state troopers. That, Can that I interrupt you for, for sure. just a second so I don't uh, f- forget the point? Uh, once those lights come on 
And, uh, you know, it's not obvious that, okay, I need to pull over or I shouldn't pull over right here. But uh, as a as a driver, it, would it be wise to give some form of recognition to the officer that you realize that he's he's back there and uh, and, and, and he wants you to pull over? The, the best but, recognition is to slow your vehicle down. Okay. Slow down and, you know, as quickly as possible, uh, search out that place, put your turn signal on, give plenty of advance notice of what your intentions are, okay. and then safely pull over there. Uh, you know, hand gestures in the vehicle while the vehicle's moving are not a good yeah. thing, yeah. okay, yeah. for a variety of reasons. And we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that as we get into some of this uh, other stuff there. But, you know, it's it's best to just as safely and quickly as possible get into a safe location. And okay. if it's a parking lot that's wide open, so much the better. So the, the emphasis really should be, from what I'm hearing from you, is to find a safe place. It's not like as quickly as you can do it or, or, or whatever. Just like number one priority is uh, is finding that safe place. Say it's safe for the motorist. It's safe for the deputy sheriff. It's also safe for those other motorists that are transiting along on the left-hand side of the road there. Right. It's, a traffic stop is a very dangerous thing, and you, right. are, you are exposed mm-hmm. uh, as a law enforcement officer, and you're at great peril from somebody running into the back. You've seen you've, yeah. you've had to have seen them on the news. The Weather Channel covers a lot of that sure. stuff from time to time, and they'll show some of these incidents, and you go, oh, my gosh, how did that guy survive? Right. Um, or that gal uh, survive uh, after you know, a tractor trailer comes barreling at them um, because they, they were not paying attention, and they were probably distracted by their phone or whatever. Do you think well, that, I'm just, just thought, could, do you think that could be just maybe because of their, they think they've done something or something wrong, and they just panic that momentarily? Well, sure. I mean, I think some people, you know, immediately when the lights come on and everything, they, right. they you know, if you're speeding and the lights come on, you know, you've, you've done something wrong and right. you deserve to be pulled over. Right. There's a reason for that. But in, in some cases, you know, it, 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 it's unexpected by some motorists. Sure. And they, when you walk up and you start having a conversation with them and everything and you tell them why you go, Oh, well, I didn't realize I was going that fast. Yeah. And, and I get that from time to time myself, and I know my deputies and especially my traffic units get that. Let's assume that uh, that a person now has uh, uh, recognized the situation. They pull off. They're in a safe, a safe location. And uh, the uh, officer, uh, I, I guess one thing I should mention that I have seen people do is the first thing they want to do is get out of their car. Right. And I, I'm going to assume that's not the that's not That's not the problem. Want, so yeah, here's, here's, here's the ideal traffic stop. So if the lights come on and you're going down uh, 486 westbound towards Pine Ridge Boulevard coming out of the YMCA parking lot, which just happened to me last week, um, I turn the lights on. There's no place over there to turn off of the road Mm -hmm. until you get to Pine Ridge Boulevard. Well, Pine Ridge Boulevard was a long ways away. So this person looked looked up in the mirror and pointed their hand out their window to the median. And I flashed my headlights, and then I pointed my hand out the window and said, yeah, sure, get in the medium and get out there. And so once we get stopped and we're safely stopped, I'm calling it in on the radio. I'm calling in the tag, the location, uh, the vehicle description, and the number of occupants in the vehicle so that if something happens, my dispatch center, my communications officers know exactly where I'm at and know what I'm doing, and they know how many people were in the vehicle whenever I pull that uh, particular vehicle over. And so the next thing that should happen is the motorist should go ahead and put their vehicle in park for their safety and for my safety mm-hmm. and for anybody else that's going around there and then turn their keys, turn the car off, put the keys up on the dash and then when I and ha- open the windows 
And when we walk up there, we're going to have a conversation. And I'm going to say, good afternoon, ma'am. Good afternoon, sir. I'm Sheriff Mike Prendergast. And the reason why I stopped you today is that you were doing 65 and a 50. And I'm trying to save your life and the lives of these other citizens that are out here on this highway. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are, is there an emergency? Is there a reason why you're going fast? Well, no. Okay. Well, then can I see your driver's license, your registration, and your proof of insurance? I, I, I'm uh, going to assume that you guys would rather uh, wait until you've requested to see the driver's license and the insurance as opposed to, Again, let's take this scenario that we've drawn out. He's off to the side, and the police officer gets out of his vehicle. You don't want the driver to start going to his glove compartment. No, preferably not, because a lot of people do keep their guns in their right. uh, glove compartments. Right. Preferably not. Wait until the officer's up there, and the officer can see what, what your movements are doing right. and, and have that conversation with you. And some people put their driver's license in their wallet, and it's in a console right there in the center and everything. And, and sometimes I'll walk up, and people will have their stuff in their hand already and everything. And I know our other deputies will do the same thing. But when the stuff's way over here on the other side of the vehicle in the glove compartment, don't go reaching for that. Right. Because that that makes the hair on the back of all of our necks stand up. And that's an intense uh, moment there that – we just we we would prefer not to do that because you're in control at that point and we're not. Yeah. So we we just want to make sure that you're safe and that we are safe too because we've got just as much a right at the end of our shift to go home yeah. as the citizen that we just had that encounter with. The other thing that you that you just mentioned is uh, rolling down the window and it's kind of a small point, but let me get your opinion on it. Uh, and one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about, and hopefully we'll have time to do it, is uh, is. Uh, Pretend police officers, okay? These maniacs that, that you know, that for one reason or another want to be a policeman but aren't. <laughs> and uh, so what, what would it be a wise thing to do is uh, when the police officer comes up to the vehicle, is before you start rolling down windows, is just to make, just in your own mind, just get some degree of satisfaction. This is a legitimate stop. So, yes, but let me, let me caveat that. If you're stopped by somebody in, in law enforcement in Citrus County, it's going to be a green and white Citrus County Sheriff's Office patrol car, or it'll be an unmarked detective's vehicle or an unmarked senior staff vehicle like mine mine is. We're going to have a uniform on, and more than likely, 99.9% of the time, that person that's behind the wheel of that vehicle or behind the handlebars of that motorcycle is going to know why we pull them over. Mm-hmm. And when we come walk, you, you see the uniform I'm wearing. This is the principal uniform that our patrol deputies wear. And I wore this uniform today specifically for this so that we could have a conversation about it. You should know what your law enforcement officers look like in the community that right. you live in. You should know what the Florida Highway Patrol uh, uniform looks like. And there is a there's a black Dodge Charger that's out there that uh, has the ghost lettering on the side of yeah. it. And when it comes... Sharp-looking car. Yeah, it's a sharp-looking <laughs> car. And we've got a couple of those ghost cars out there as well. Well, when those when those lights come on and everything, you should have been familiar because you can't hardly go by a day in, in our county and not go by somebody being stopped by either um, one of our deputies or detectives or by FHP right. uh, for something. And so you, you kind of... You develop that uh, understanding of what to look for and what to expect. If something doesn't look right and you feel if it's a dark, stormy night Mm -hmm. and it doesn't look right, 
Well, trust your instincts because your instincts are what have got you to where you are right now in that point in time. And you can always call 911 and say, hey, I'm on a dark road. It's storming. And somebody in an unmarked vehicle just turned on lights and has attempted to pull me over. And I'm looking for a safe place that's well lit to pull over into. And can you send a marked unit out to my location at whatever the address is or whatever the general, uh, you know, cross uh, intersection is. And, you know, the communications officers will get on there. And if it's not a supervisor, it'll certainly be one of the zone deputies will end up showing up over there and have a conversation and make sure everything's legitimate. Yeah. Even before sending on another unit though, where they, they could, would it be possible they confirm that that's a legit traffic stop? No, not, you can't confirm that it's a legitimate traffic stop. Cause if, if we, if we go through the part of a traffic stop, Yep. Okay. We're not the judges on the side of the road. The judge is in the courthouse. But if you have a question about the validity of that person and whether or not they are truly a law enforcement that's officer, if, yeah. if, if, uh-huh. if that's the case, yeah. then you can ask that person to look for an identification card. Do you, do you have any ID on you? And if it's one of our deputies, they're going to have a Citrus County Sheriff's Office right. uh, ID card on them. We have not had instances in our county, yeah. <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, the day is young. <laughs> yeah. um, we have not had instances of law enforcement imposters in our community, but you do you do hear about it. But I think the media kind of uh, plays that up a little bit sometimes, and it gets out of hand because, you know, it, we take our, our jobs very seriously. If there's a, someone out there that's impersonating us, they, they're doing something else illegal and, and certainly that's going to land them in jail because if we find out about it, we're going to put them in jail. Yeah. Uh, just an, uh, maybe another way of, of putting my my question to you is that uh, so long as uh, everything looks okay to you, everything you know, it, it's, it's obviously even in your rearview mirror you can tell it's a legitimate car, and he gets out and he has a obviously a regular police uniform yeah. and all that. We, then then you're then you're okay. Uh, I was really getting to the reverse of this. Say you know someone has some goofy looking lights in their grill and, and that's you know, that's the, you know that's that's, that, one that's of those, the point where you want to keep your window yeah rolled keep up. keep your window up and look the person in the eye yeah. keep your keep your hands on your steering wheel yeah okay yeah. Uh, look the person in the eye and ask them to put their ID then they can pull their ID out and they can put it right up against the window and again you know you can get on the telephone and and talk to the folks in the communication center yeah because uh, you, you you know it's it's I don't want to say never, but, you know, if, if, if you find yourself in a situation like that, you know, you err on the side of caution for yeah. your safety. I guess here's my point in, in bringing this up, because I certainly uh, would concur that in our particular area, uh, you know, it, things can happen, but it's a pretty safe area and the likelihood of this happening, pretty small. Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. But is it also possible that we're going to hop on our car and head up 95 and go to other areas other than Citrus County. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to keep in keep in mind, we can feel pretty comfortable around here. I would certainly agree. But uh, once you get out of our neck of the woods, heading north or south or wherever. Well, especially that, the I-4 corridor, the, the 95 and 75 corridors. Right. Um, just to be aware of this. Just to, it, it, the, the potential always exists. And, you know, the, the other thing is, as you look at the vehicle, and try to determine that we we have a lot of Fords in our fleet, but they're not we're, we're not pure Fords. Mm-hmm. We've got some uh, Chrysler products, and we also have some GM and Chevy products that are out there. And then we've got some others that I'm not going to mention on the air because uh, those are some of our other units that are out there doing yeah. their job to protect our citizens. Top secret. Yeah.
And well, and and we do have we do have a, a fleet of Harley Davidson motorcycles out there too. So, cool. <laughs> and they've they've got their, all their own unique sets of uh, very important equipment to help uh, control the flow of traffic. Let me try to finish this particular chapter off, and that's a uh, little um, difference, and that's at night. Uh, again, with the traffic, with the traffic stop, uh, any special considerations if the traffic stops? So, yeah, I, you know, that's that's always another good question, Rick, to, to really consider is at nighttime, everything changes. Everything changes. During the day, we can walk up on a vehicle and we can see what's going on. We can see the movements. We can see how many people are in the vehicle. At night with deep tinted windows especially, it's awfully hard to see what's in that car. Right. And it's awfully hard to see how many people are in the car sometimes. And so what I always want to encourage folks to do is if at nighttime, if you get pulled over from speeding or running a stop sign or going through a red light or whatever, um, hey, do everybody a favor. Turn on the interior dome light in your vehicle. Put your car in park. Follow all the other things. Keep your hands up there where when we're walking up there, we can see it. And encourage anybody else that's in the... That's an alert Citrus phone call that's going out right now. <laughs> Those have an override. That's more important than this. <laughs> Those have an override over my uh, I hear you. Uh, thing. And the funny thing is, it's, hi, this is Sheriff Mike Prendergast calling to let you know about something on the first part of the voicemail. Um, but, you know, at, at nighttime, the, the, the safest thing to do is, again, look for a, a well-lit place. Right. Safety for you, safety for the law enforcement officer that's affecting the traffic stop. Uh, turn on the interior light in your car, roll down all the windows so that when I'm walking up there and approaching that vehicle, and of course, you've got a big dog in the back. You know, you might want to keep that window rolled up yeah. because we'll hear the dog before we get there, but you don't want the dog to jump out. Uh, my dog would crawl through the window and, and get out there uh, because he's pretty boisterous and very protective. But, mm -hmm. you know, uh, do do all those things that you would normally do for a daytime traffic stop. Make sure that your hands are on the steering wheel and that you're not jerking around and moving around because the thrashing around and it raises our awareness and concerns us greatly that for our safety. So, you know, the best thing to do is to, as, as carefully as you can, listen to everything that the officer is saying as he or she is walking up to the car yeah. and, and comply. And, and, you know, if, if, we get respect from the citizens. We're, we're doubling down on our respect for our citizens when we're coming back to them talking about stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's you know, use the golden rule. And, you know, that, uh, that, that will go a long, long ways. And, you know, especially when it's, it, is, it is pitch black on some of our roads around the community. If yeah. you get pulled over out there, do everything you can to ensure that you're sending a message to that deputy sheriff or that state trooper that, right. hey, you have nothing to fear coming up to talk to me here. Right. You ha you have uh, I have respect for you. I appreciate you for being out there. You've got a tough job to do. I want to do everything that I can to make our meeting here on this dark highway as yeah. as easy as possible. And then, you know, whether it's a, a a verbal warning, a written warning, or uniform traffic citation, uh, you know, have a good exchange, and you know, go on from there. Go on from there. And yeah, I think uh, it's it's really a critical point that I, you know. Everybody knows it, but not everybody uh, lives it. And that's, uh, you know, the, 
difficult, difficult job that uh, police officers have every day. And uh, and the, the least you can do is be, is be courteous. You know? yeah. At least treat them, you know, just treat uh, them with yeah. the respect that they deserve. Yeah. And, you know, Grandma and Grandpa taught me about the golden rule a long time ago, and that's yeah. still that's still important today. And it's, you know, and if you're self-serving, you know, it's never happened to me, but I've heard from other people that you can be stopped. And, and if you're civil and, and polite and, and all that, what, what could have been a, uh, a more serious situation for you, as in you get a ticket, uh, you know, if, if you're courteous and, and pleasant and, and have a good excuse, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, can, it, can, it can help. Okay, I'm not saying that it's, it's you know, that's the, you know, that's the end all to it. But the end all should be be courteous no matter what, and give the uh, officers uh, yeah. the respect that they do. You know, as a quick aside, I uh, bumped into a, a young guy the other day, and he's coincidentally uh, going to go to Withlacoochee and uh, get in the uh, the training program there. And it, it just struck me uh, at that moment of what a terrific thing this is. Here's this young guy, and he's interested in getting involved in law enforcement uh, because in today's world in, in particular, uh, you know, I think we have to be very, very careful of making this a, 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 a career that people are interested in getting involved in. If the young guys are, you know, I hope you're around forever, but if the young guys are not getting involved in this, okay, our safety and security uh, has a timeline to it, you know, and unless highly qualified, motivated people are getting involved in this, uh, we're, in, we're in big trouble. And, uh, you know, and I think like any other team, I'm sure you guys are constantly exchanging stories and, you know, the stories go home and all that stuff. And it can create an atmosphere, you know, where people are saying, boy, I don't know if I want to get involved in, in this, you know. Well, it, it does. And it has a negative impact on our ability to recruit and train and then retain good quality folks who are citizens, right. who care about their community. They care about the future of their community, and they want to be the utmost professionals uh, in a career that's never going to be an easy career. Yeah, it's always going to be a tough career. It's always going to be psychologically, emotionally, mentally uh, demanding, and 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 and, 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 and right. dangerous yeah. and yeah. ever changing, yeah. ever changing. Yeah. The things that I started out as a young man in in this career field four decades ago, those don't exist anymore. Even in the most rural communities out there, technology has penetrated its way into everything that law enforcement does. And the technology keeps getting better. It keeps getting smarter. It keeps getting smaller. And consequently, it's becoming more and more expensive for us, too, to be able to go out there and do those things. But you, you have to have it. And it's just, it is so unforgiving. And, you know, the, the one thing that I've, I've learned is if you can underwrite honest mistakes when people make honest mistakes, everybody walks away a winner. Yeah. Learn from the honest mistake and then move on and don't commit that mistake again. Right. And that's critically important. But one thing that we haven't talked about, I want to kind of go back to, because I know you had, you had asked about it. And um, uh, as we were prepping for this, uh, we kind of talked about it. Um, I, I have a concealed weapons permit. I'm a, I'm a sworn law enforcement officer, but I've had a concealed weapons permit for years because when I was in the military and, you know, coming back uh, home from uh, over the, all over the United States when I was stationed in the States or abroad, um, I as, as an extra insurance policy as a sworn law enforcement officer, I had my concealed weapons permit so I could, sure. you know, uh, do what I needed to do. If you ever, ever stopped on a traffic stop, day or night, and you have a concealed weapons permit, 
don't go reaching for your gun to show the gun to the law enforcement officer that's coming up to the side post of your door and say, hey, yeah, I got a concealed weapon. Here's my gun right here. No, just leave it where it's at. Right. Whether it's loaded, got around in the chamber, you know, whatever. Leave it where it's at. But inform the law enforcement officer that's coming to your door to talk to you. And that officer may approach from the left side of your vehicle or the right side of your vehicle, depending on how you've positioned your vehicle and how they feel about their safety and being exposed to the, the traffic that's coming up behind them or the oncoming traffic that's out there. So let them know, hey, just want to let you know. Uh, it, and I've gotten stopped as a law enforcement officer. I'm going through a checkpoint. Hey, how you doing there? You got your driver's license? I say, yeah, by the way, I'm Sheriff Prendergast, and I got, I, I got a concealed weapon right here on my left hip. Here's my credential as a law enforcement officer. Here's my concealed weapons permit. Here's my driver's license. Oh, we're just we're looking for somebody and and and. You know, they have a quick conversation and boom, roll the window back up and keep going. Well, let me, but, but, you know, if, if we if we know that, that that's good for us to know it so that subsequently as we're, we're having a conversation with you and then we see something in the vehicle and we go, hey, is that a box of ammo over there? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any weapons in the vehicle? Yeah, well, I do. Well, would you mind telling me where the weapon's at? Yeah. And you put that stuff to bed kind of early on if you have a concealed weapons permit. Okay, let me, let me try to clear this up with you, though. Um, Assuming that you you have your permit and uh, you have a uh, have a firearm in the car with your officer comes up, uh, routine traffic stop, uh, you're not legally bound to to no. tell them that that, that you no. have the firearm, right? No. But if he asks, if you have a, if if you have a firearm, then you're legally bound to yeah. to, uh, to tell them. Tell 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 the law enforcement officers so that we know about our safety too. Right. Um, but you, you would you 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 could you could be a victim of a crime. You could have somebody in your vehicle holding you at gunpoint, mm -hmm. and you're under duress, and you're in a very stressful situation. You have a concealed weapons permit, but you couldn't get to your weapon because it was locked up in your glove compartment, and you didn't have it on your hip, yeah. underneath your shirt. And so, if you if you walk your way through that process, there, um, it it's good for your safety it's good for our safety as well bottom line then uh you would prefer on a routine traffic stop and if you have you know and uh, you you have your firearm with you that even before being asked that you should tell them that you have it yeah absolutely absolutely and okay. and th that way you know we know what we're we're encountering there and we know we know for our safety that you're a, a citizen who's already gone through the process to get a concealed weapons permit. Right. So, and statistically, uh, they're statistic, pretty safe people. That, the, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's the right. folks that don't have concealed weapons permit that are right. going out there committing right. these crimes that we're concerned about, and they're they're breaking into cars. And um, you know, let's 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 talk about that too because right. we've had some some incidences here in the past few months and this year, uh, especially with so many other people being home. Um, if you have a concealed weapons permit, take your weapon with you whenever you get out of your vehicle. Yeah. Don't throw it in the center console that's not lockable and then go running into the store. Don't yeah. don't throw it in your glove compartment, which it doesn't take much more than a pocket knife to pop open your glove compartment. Right. And and then your weapons there, you know, people have left firearms in an unlocked vehicle in the driveway with the windows down, with their wallet in the console with power tools in the back of their vehicle and they come out the next morning and they're shocked that their stuff's gone. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and you go, 
Yeah. What part of this do you not understand? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, I don't need that work. I, and, and more importantly, I don't want these stolen firearms on our streets. And we've recovered some of those stolen firearms this year and tried to get them back into the hands of the rightful owners that lost them. Um, and in a great many cases, uh, unfortunately, if it's a really nice firearm, the, the serial number is going to be ground off. And, you know, it can go to the lab and the lab can pull up the serial number um, pretty pretty handily by, by uh, uh, the, the scientific techniques that they use to put acid on the yeah. The uh, receiver and everything. You know, one of our earlier podcasts, we we talked about uh, gun storage, and this is one of the key points. I'll reemphasize it once again. You just emphasized it, but the bottom line is, don't you know? If you just want a catchphrase for it, your vehicle is not a gun safe. No, you know, and sh- just should never should never be one. Let alone the the stupidity of uh, you know going through all the trouble of having, uh, you know, your. Uh, your concealed permit and the training that goes hopefully along with it and all that, and then you don't have it on you. It's just, you know, it's kind of kind of illogical. Can I backtrack just sure. a second? Uh, the, the routine traffic stop, again, and you run the plates. I was always curious about this. Routinely, would you get notification that the person's a, a concealed carry no. permit holder? No. Okay. No, when we, what we're looking to see is the vehicle properly registered. Are you the, the registered owner? And does the vehicle have, uh, you know, is the, is the, is the vehicle and the VIN number and the plate, all that stuff matching up okay. too? Nothing to do with concealed gear. No. no. Okay. Um, are we doing okay on time? I don't know. I'm not tracking time. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> that, right. We're good. Um, we talked, uh, in the past about a road rage and, um, and uh, no matter where you are, road rage is taking place, including you know good old peaceful Citrus County. Oh, it, right? it, so, yeah, it, we we have reports of it from time to time here in Citrus right. County, just like you do in every one of the other communities that's out there. So, in previous uh, podcasts, we talked about driver strategies and 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 you know what what you can do to try to avoid it, or if you're involved in it, best strategies. So, I'm not going to go over all of that again uh, with you, but. But having you here, uh, what I was interested in, in having you uh, address, maybe confirm, is that uh, people should not hesitate to get the police department involved in a uh, in a road rage situation. And you're going to have to use your judgment. I mean, if someone, you know, gives you a dirty look, there's no need to call the police, right? Right. But if someone is riding your bumper from you know two inches away and and screaming out the window and that all that, that might be a good time to you know first thing about getting the police out there. Because uh, once, the, you know, I think it's fairly safe to say once the police arrive on a scene, it's de-escalated, you know. And uh, uh, anyway, I was just curious as to as to your opinion on it and, uh, you know, uh, maybe some experience that, that your officers have had with it. So the number one thing is if you think that there's a road rage incident unfolding and you're experiencing it as the victim, call 911 and let folks know calmly and very accurately what your location is, what your vehicle description is, try and describe to the maximum extent possible the vehicle that is manifesting road rage right there uh, at you, whether they're behind you, beside you, or or pulling up in front of you and trying to short stop or whatever. Mm -hmm. Any and all descriptors that you can provide to the the deputy that's going to get dispatched out there will help us locate that person and that vehicle as quickly as possible. And the, you know, if you can get the license number without uh, imperiling your safety 
and causing a crash, then get that license number. If you can't, don't worry about it. Just get us the stuff and give us your license number so that we're looking for you. Mm-hmm. And because the likelihood of it is a true road rage incident, it's going to con- continue until, yeah. um, you know, that person sees blue lights or something like that coming. And then they decide that, okay, I'm going to disengage and I'm going to go somewhere else and try and disappear into the, the fabric of the woodwork. Yeah. So, you should, I would assume you should stay, uh, once you contact the police, uh, you should stay on the line with them for the yeah, duration, stay on, stay the on the line. The, stay on the line with them until law enforcement shows up on scene or starts becoming part of the the moving traffic that's there. And you know that law enforcement is present. And if you can, if you can continue to move, your vehicle safely even though all this stuff is going on i assume that's preferable than stopping do that but do not go home do not go home because that person may break contact with you and get a general idea of where you're at then they'll come back in an hour or two looking for you your car and then when you're least suspecting it, something bad could happen to you. Yeah. Or the so, next day or the next week or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you exactly. have no idea who, what, exactly. who you're dealing with. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. And so the, the, the other thing about that, though, too, is if it's in the middle of the day, go to places where there are a lot of people around. Don't go down a dead-end road and get yourself trapped down there. Yeah. Go to places where there are a lot of people around. If you can continue to move in traffic, then continue to move in traffic. Right. You know, don't don't break the don't break the traffic laws. Don't run lights. Don't run stop signs. Don't go ninety trying to get away from somebody. Um, and then there, you know, then there's two vehicles breaking the the law and speeding. Uh, you know, grossly, carelessly, and dangerously. Yeah, more people are in danger. Yeah, a lot more people are in danger yeah. uh, whenever you do stuff like that. The other golden rule that that we talked about in so far as road rage that uh, I thought was is a good one is don't leave your car. Yeah. You know, once once you get out of your car, the whole game the whole game changes. Yeah. You know, and and the thing I keep emphasizing to people on this is you have no idea who you're dealing with. No. Don't have the foggiest idea. This guy could be, you know, this is a once in a lifetime incident where he just went temporarily crazy, or you could be dealing with a guy who's a serious criminal would not like nothing better than to beat your butt. You know, and yeah. uh, and so you don't know. So as long as you're staying within your three thousand pound safe, uh, with the locked doors, windows up, uh, it's safer. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty simple. But how many times do, do you see people jumping out of the cars? Yeah, you know? well, and and the other thing I say is, do yourself a favor. Don't pull your weapon out and point it at somebody that's manifesting a gross example of road rage at you, because we may suspect that you're the person that's got road rage. Yeah. And pull you over. Yeah. So, you know. Well, and technically, you're brandishing. Right? Yeah. So. Well, and, and remember, a firearm is a weapon of last resort to protect yourself and your life. Yeah. So don't, don't do that until you see a presentation of deadly force and you have a fear for your life. Yeah. So bottom line, uh, don't be hesitant to call the police. Uh, again, use your judgment. I mean, you know, you got to be reasonable about this. And, and But if it's, you know, most people could, I think, could make sense of it that this is a serious incident once that goes off in your head uh call the police you yeah. know i mean that's what they're that's what they're there for yeah. and and we we get those calls from time to time and i'll i'll be in my vehicle going somewhere around the county and i'll hear the call and um our our deputies are well trained at that they know how to respond to it and our communications officers who just do an amazing job 24 hours a day seven days a week they're in the emergency operations center and yeah. they're fielding calls from calls about a cat up a tree, yeah. the dog got lost, there's a missing 80-year-old, 
uh, to a, a traffic accident, a single vehicle accident, uh, which we had. I'm just thinking of a couple of things from this morning, uh, through this morning and early into this afternoon. And those are the type of calls that we get. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, those communications officers are absolutely critical. And the more you can help them out, the quicker and the more accurately we can get somebody dispatched to wherever you happen to be. Okay, great. Uh, I wanted to touch on carjacking. And uh, just as a starting point, uh, have we had, uh, in, during your tenure, have there been carjacking incidents in our county? Uh, you know, I, I looked at that, and I could not come up with a single incident of carjacking in our county. We've had some domestic issues where uh, spouses uh, get together and start arguing about things. Yep. Now, we have had a vehicle get uh, picked up in, in different communities around the community where someone leaves the keys in their car, the engine's running, they run in to go and, you know— pay for $5 worth of gas or $10 worth of gas and they come out and the car is gone. There's a baby strapped into the car seat. You hear those stories from time to time, but carjacking, no, but here, let let me, let me throw something out to you. Please. Black Friday and all the shopping that goes on for the, for the holidays from Thanksgiving till Christmas is going to be vastly different this year, Mm -hmm. vastly different than any other year. And as our folks are, you know, there's a lot of Black Friday sales already going on and everything. So folks are going out and doing their Christmas shopping right now and getting getting ready for the holidays. Well, there is increased activity going to be taking place at our retail establishments. Mm -hmm. And folks are going to be out there and they're going to be coming out with bundles of packages. Look at those boxes over there in the corner. You know, people, well, if you're not aware of your surroundings and you you haven't parked in a safe area up close to the doors of the store or in a well-lit parking lot after the hours of darkness and you know how early it's getting dark right now. So uh, you, you put yourself at greater risk to be either have your vehicle burglarized or to have your keys taken from you and your vehicle stolen. And then, you know, three days later we find your vehicle and all the things that you just went out and bought for Christmas are, yeah. are missing and everything. So That's the best, the best thing is to do what you can to ensure that your vehicle is a sanctuary for you. And the stuff that you put in your vehicle is not in plain view for the criminals, the thieves that are out there looking for an easy opportunity to go out there. And if you leave stuff in your vehicle, put it in the trunk, mm-hmm. lock the vehicle, and don't leave anything that's sitting out. And certainly don't leave your purse uh, sitting out uh, where somebody can see it whenever they're coming up. And the, to, the best thing to do is travel as spartan light as you can when you're coming out there yeah. and, and maybe, make multiple and maybe, trips. Maybe shop with somebody. Yeah, you, absolutely. You, There's, you, you know, the buddy too, system so. is great for shopping. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. um, I, I had a tradition with my, my wife and my daughter and daughter-in-law for years. I was their bodyguard and yeah. their gorilla to take all their Christmas presents back to the van and throw them in the van. And, Everybody needs a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but, the, you know, the, the, shop, the shopping season this year will be uh, rife for opportunities if people let their guard down. So right. don't let your guard down. Yeah, the, yeah, the other thing I, I, I would counsel people to along those same shopping lines is that uh, when you're finished your shopping and you're heading back out to uh, heading, well, let me let me back up a little bit. Even when you arrive at a parking at, at a parking location at a retail location, is before you hop out of the car, is take a look around. Oh yeah, you know, and just make sure like if there's a, like an incident going on, it's obvious. You know, police are there, lights are going and all that. may not be a good idea to really be there at that time or go to a different area before you hop out. A lot of stuff can happen, you know. Uh, And uh, uh, even if it's not a major incident, but that little voice in your head just tells you, boy, this just doesn't feel right, you know. There's some. Well, walk back into the store. 
and and asked to speak to one of the, asked one of the cashiers say hey can you call the store manager up here right and uh, you know, there's some there's somebody hanging out in the parking lot there and I you know I, I feel unsafe yeah just don't and, go yeah just yeah. don't go yeah yeah very good okay yeah it's funny about Black Friday Brian. I was just thinking about this I don't know when Black Friday started on Halloween. You know, so, yeah, I know. Pretty soon it'll be the Fourth of July. You know, it's time to go. Well, Christmas I, I was I was mortified to see Christmas stuff in stores back yeah. in August of this year. Yeah, and I, I was like, you. oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, I haven't got to Labor Day, and we're here. We are. We're getting Christmas stuff out. Yeah, uh, Sheriff Prendergast, I really appreciate all your time uh, today. It's been uh, it's been terrific, and I'm sure our listeners are are going to get uh, a lot out of it too. And I uh, I do appreciate it. I want to give you a chance. Uh, if to to add anything that you want at this time, I know you you really encourage uh, involvement on the on the citizens part. As a matter of fact, I was a class of ninety two at the uh, Citizens Academy. So, and and I want to tell you something. I have a decent background in this type of thing, and, but that that was really a worthwhile thing to do. The uh, the, the uh, Citizens Academy It was a lot of fun, uh, but it was it was excellent. I. I, I thought about it, it would, all, it would be cool and easy for me to say, but if there was almost like a graduate program from there, you know, you took the basic academy and then you could spend, you know, additional time with the, uh, you know, with a, with a particular unit or whatever. I'm sure you guys would love that. Yeah. Well, but it would you, be, it would be, it would be fascinating. The, the Citizens Academy has been a great tool for us and it's a great way to have a constant outreach throughout the community. And yeah. unfortunately, in the pandemic situation, yeah. it's awfully hard to put oh, yeah, a group of folks into yeah. a, a room and do those type of presentations. Right. Uh, not only is it uh, a higher risk for the folks that are coming in to participate in the Citizens Academy, but for all of the staff sure. from the sworn deputies to the canine uh, uh, unit folks to yeah. the volunteers to right. our forensic specialists, our detectives, and our animal yeah. control officers. So it's just it, it, the risk is still pretty high. And, yeah. and just last week alone here in Citrus County, the number of COVID-19 positive cases doubled yeah. from the week before. So yeah. we're doing what we can to protect the forest. But, yeah. you know, if, if, if you would allow me, the, the thing that I would like to sum up with is that Please. if folks have questions about stuff, you can always go to sheriffcitrus.org. That's our website. We've got a, a great website there. We've got a great team of professionals at work to keep it updated. And if there's questions that you have that you can't get, get answered from that website, feel free to call the non-emergency number and we'll get you referred to the right person to get the answer for you. Right. The other thing is, is that everybody that's listening to this broadcast right now, if you have not signed up for our Facebook page to get the real-time alerts that are out there that we provide to the citizens and also our smartphone app that's available in the Android and iPhone markets, you're missing out on some real important information that's out there, something that could save your life or the life of someone you love. And, you know, and that's just, that's the day-to-day stuff. And then there are special things that we put out there as well. Yeah. You know, like today when we were looking for the 80-year-old um, uh, lady who had wandered off and we wanted to get her reunited with her family. Uh, if you're not signed up for Alert Citrus, which is our notification system, which piped in here real time while we were actually recording this podcast. Um, you know, you're, you might miss out on some very, never know. You know, quickly breaking and important information that you need to know about to protect you and your family members. Right. So those those are critical things. And the the other thing that I would emphasize is we're going to get through the pandemic. When we get on the other side of the pandemic, we're looking for volunteers to come out and be part of the fabric of the success stories 
that the Citrus County Sheriff's Office gets to write each and every day. We've got a rich history that goes back for 133 years. And we're going to continue to write history in the Sheriff's Office. In fact, we're going to celebrate our 134th year in June of 2021. The Office of Sheriff will celebrate its 200th anniversary in the state of Florida in July of 2021. No kidding. Critical things, you know, and it's about the continuity. It's about the folks that are out there solving problems for their citizens and protecting their citizens from, you know, uh, natural disasters, man-made disasters, and from the criminal element that's out there that's got other intentions other than, you know, living in a peaceful community where folks abide by the laws and have respect for one another. And the the final thing that I would... uh, point out to the folks that are out there, if you've got a young man or woman uh, that's looking for a great career to start, the Citrus County Sheriff's Office wants to talk to them. Mm -hmm. We've got great career opportunities for communications officers. We start at $15.23 an hour for an untrained person to come in and get the training and get the understanding of what it means to be a, a folks that's that's the lifeline on the other end of that 911 call or that's that non-emergency law enforcement critical. call. And we need great folks that are out there, not to just come in for a year or two, to, but to come in and make it a career to serve the citizens of our community. Because the folks that they touch the lives of are, are greatly dependent upon them, and they greatly appreciate the things that those communications officers do. And we're still looking for some great, talented young men and women to become deputy sheriffs, and our starting pay there went up again this year. And we're starting out at almost, uh, well, they're at 39000 plus for a starting deputy sheriff after they've gone through the academy. And within a year, they'll be making over $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And with our cost of living being pretty low in, in the Citrus County community, uh, it's a good way to start out a career in a matter of no time. Those folks will be looking at promotions and great education opportunities and all the great benefits that we provide, including the Florida Retirement System for everybody that works for the sheriff's office is just, you know, it's a one of a kind, unique thing that's available to the folks that come and join our team right. and stay with us for an entire career. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, uh, I, I hope people are paying attention to what you're saying. And uh, like we touched on earlier, it's, uh, it's, it's important that, you know, people that, uh, uh, that are looking for a career and uh, have, uh, you know, have, have the, the background for it and, and have the interest in it and all that, that they give this at least a look-see, you know, just, uh, you know, don't get overwhelmed with, with the news reports and, 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 and uh, you know, comments and letters and to the editor and all that business uh, because they, I can repeat myself, but I, I think it's clear that a huge majority of, of citizens, particularly in Citrus County, are huge fans of, of the police department and have, uh, you know, and have uh, have our full support. Uh, so, again, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I hope people do. I hope people do get, you know, involved and, uh, and check check things out. And uh, when the Citizens Academy uh, cranks back up, once we're rid of this, uh, you know, people take advantage uh, of that because it, it really does give you a tremendous insight to uh, not only uh, what you do, but how you do it and uh, and what all is involved in keeping this county a, a, a good safe county and uh, once again i appreciate you being here absolutely uh, you spent a lot of time with us and uh, and I, I really really do appreciate it and congratulations again and uh, you know uh maybe in four years you'll be up to 85 you know? percent so, <laughs> well we can only we'll hope so we can only hope so but uh, we'll and, and if i don't see you out and about uh happy thanksgiving and Thank i'll you. wish you a very early 
but uh, very uh, happy and uh, very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Right back at you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Thanks, Vinny. Thank you. you this is uh, Cousin Vinny, and you have heard the Sheriff of Citrus County. Thank you for listening to Cousin Vinny Network. Come back to hear more of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and be sure to share our podcast. Hey, drop me a line on our Facebook page at the Cousin Vinny Network, or if you'd like to be a guest, give me a call at 888-738-7381. That's 888-738-7381. And again, please share our podcast. And if you can, take some time to visit our sponsors at CousinVinnyNetwork.com. Without them, this network would not be possible at all.